This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Welcome to episode 68 of the Sustainable-ish podcast. It is fabulous to have you here. Thank you for joining me. Now stand by your beds because I'm experimenting with something a little bit new for this series of the podcast and I'm recording interviews live over on Crowdcast, which is the platform that I used for the Sustainable-ish festival. So hopefully some of you are quite familiar with it. The idea is that you can come along and you can watch the podcast recording and then we're having a little Q&A with the guests at the end for live viewers to take part in. So if you're interested in finding out more or you fancy joining us for live recordings, I'm posting details of those on social media. So do come and find me. I'm at Sustainable-ish and hopefully I can point you in the right direction. Right then. Now, this podcast is going out at the start of July, and in the eco world, July is all about plastic, thanks to the brilliant Plastic Free July campaign that started in Australia and has gained traction since then all over the globe. It's also a time at the moment when more of us might be contemplating a return to work as coronavirus restrictions lift that little bit more here in the UK. So I figured it might be a good time to speak to someone about what we can do to reduce the amount of waste and plastic rubbish that is produced at work, whether we work from home or in a traditional office or somewhere a little bit different. Because it can be easy to feel like any efforts we're making at home are cancelled out by the waste that we produce at work. And also maybe to feel a little bit like it's not our place to be asking questions about workplace waste. So it's fabulous to be chatting to the wonderful Livy Drake from Sustainable Sidekicks, who took part in two brilliant panels for us during the Sustainable-ish Festival, and who is helping us to feel more confident about some of the simple changes that can be made at work to reduce the waste that's being produced and how we can be part of the solution at work as well as at home. Enjoy. Hello, Livy. Welcome to the Sustainable-ish podcast. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me. Really excited to have you here. And um, this is our first experiment at recording the podcast live. So we're actually having a chat live on Crowdcast. And I will pop a link in there if anybody into the podcast notes, if anybody wants to come and watch the actual the actual chat and to see us having a chat. Um, so this is a bit of an experiment. We'll see how we get on. But Livy, you're quite used to, you're a familiar face for those who came to the Sustainable-ish Festival because you did um, two panels for us then very kindly. So, but for anyone who didn't come and watch that, do you want to just introduce yourself and let us know what you do? 
So I am a sustainability and behavior change uh, consultant, which um, sounds very grand. And they're two words that um, kind of have lots of different meanings for people. And um, I guess for me, I kind of focus a lot around um, waste reduction and plastics and behavior change. It was the way I entered into the environmental movement. And I, my background is originally in festivals and behavior change engagement campaigns. Um, I've worked, I work with City to Sea on the refill campaign and I still work with them one day a week. So lots around plastics and understanding, you know, when we say, oh, we need sustainability or we've got to be better for the environment I really want to understand why it's so challenging and what are those barriers so if we really want to make change how we can break them down brilliant and I'm just going to apologize if you can hear the dog barking in the background we got some new chickens at the weekend and she's quite excited by them and she's like <laughs> shut her in her crate with her towel and a shush I'm doing a podcast but she she's apparently not understanding that no <laughs> brilliant so we wanted to talk about um, reducing waste at work because having been in lockdown for I kind of even lost track now was it three three and a half four months yeah um, yeah <laughs> and lots of people have been away from work um, and lots of people are now starting to think about heading back to work and regardless I guess whether we work from home um, and hopefully lots more of us will be able to work from home moving forwards or whether we're in a more traditional office environment or whatever environment, there's there's quite a lot of waste we generate at work. And I don't know if this is quite common, but when I was, I used to be a vet and when I was in practice, um, I was, you know, we were pretty good at home. We were doing our recycling. We were doing all these things. Um, but I didn't feel like I had any ownership over um, what was happening at work I didn't really feel like it was my place to go up sort of bounce up to them and say why aren't we doing any recycling and like is that quite common do you think? Yeah so this is one of the things about um, the work environment in that there's all and, and us as human beings is we're very socialized so we think that there's other people who are responsible for particular things and that's not our responsibility and we feel uncomfortable overstepping the mark mm. and um people also you know if they feel like nobody does any recycling and they care then they feel like the awkward one or the geek or the hippie yes. um, I've been in quite a few plastic free groups recently asking people about their experience and they say they get laughed at they feel awkward, everyone ignores them. Yeah. So then, you know, why are people going to do it? And there's also that sort of thing of, um, well, you know, if I'm very busy, I've got a lot to do, that's somebody else's job. So there's a there's a lack of ownership quite often in the workplace because um, of, yeah, sort of many of these sociological and sort of structural reasons. Yeah, and that's really interesting because when I was in practice, we're talking probably four or five years ago now, and that was kind of pre-Blue Planet 2. Um, so my possibly uh, naive kind of assumption was that it would be much easier now. People would be much more on it. People would be feel much more empowered and able to to sort of to say these things and for people to go, oh, God, yeah, you're right. But it sounds like maybe that's not that's not really the case. And we haven't seen that transition through into work. Well, I think it, it it depends on where you work and the setup. Um, I think I would say in the last two years, probably since uh, Blue Planet, there has been so many green teams. And, and probably since we declared a 
you know, the world sort of started declaring climate emergencies. There's been so many offices or workplaces that have set up green teams. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about having a green team is you're not on your own. You're yes. not that lone warrior and you've got people. And if that green team has been supported by the management, then there is that sense that people feel they can make changes yeah. and they aren't, you know, and it's it's being supported. There's a there's a big thing about um, t we, we look for authority bias to let us know what we're doing is OK. So we need this sort of top down but also knowing that there's enough people with us making mm -hmm. these changes so it, you've got to find you know so if people are in a workplace um they need to find those other buddies that they can join forces with to make these things possible so it certainly is changing but it, it, it's there's still a long way to go and for a lot of people um you know they go to they do all this stuff at home and then they get to work and then they're like wow there's plastic everywhere everyone's drinking out of a mm. you know, coffee cup and I, I know that we talked about this before on the last behavior change um uh, call we had was um I went and did a, a talk and an audit in an office and they said we were talking about all the single-use materials they used and they had a canteen where people could sit downstairs and eat their lunch um, and they could have had it on plates, but the office culture was that if you were not sat at your desk eating your lunch, you weren't working hard enough. So that means wow. everybody took a takeaway and sat at their desk. Mm -hmm. So those are the kinds of embedded things. And this is where this like the behavioral stuff comes in for me, because it's not simply enough to say you should use a single use coffee cup or you shouldn't buy your takeaway box in this thing. You need to look at what are those reasons that are mm. leading to these behaviours, which are then creating this waste, or why is it that the recycling, you know, is always contaminated? Like, what are those things that are going on in yeah. that environment? And, you know, for many people, they spend the majority of their waking days in an office. Mm -hmm. So, it's, you know, it's an environment and it has a lot of, you know, these untold pushes and pulls and social structures mm -hmm. that really will inform a lot of these things. Yeah. And it's really interesting, isn't it? Like I, that's certainly how I felt at work. I didn't want to be that person that everyone was kind of rolling their eyes at and like, oh God, she's off on one again. And, um, <laughs> but so what are some of the main challenges do you think at work? You've touched on that sort of, um, uh, that, that's, I guess almost that social need to fit in and that um, wanting to be accepted and kind of part of the team and all that sort of thing. But are there specific challenges, I guess, in terms of specific waste streams, but also other behavioural issues? Yeah, so some of the things, um, so I sort of take an approach where I look at what those socio uh, sociological structures are um, and, you know, what's what's the influences, what the social norms, but also then what's the infrastructure and how's that dictating behaviour? And quite often uh, workplaces and um, so my sort of background in events is, you know, is, I think there's an events people probably listening in. And this is a classic at events is you have bins that have really bad signage on them or none at all. Yeah. And apparently by the, um, the colour of the bin uh, top or maybe not even the bin top, maybe the bag inside it, people are supposed to know what they put in there right. or it will say something like recycling or general waste. Yeah. Well, I've got a coffee cup in my hand. It's made from paper. I want to recycle it. So I'm going to put it in the recycling bin. Well, that means that that recycling bin has just been contaminated. Mm -hmm. 
because actually it's got a plastic lining and it needs to have a separate bin. Yeah. But there's also sort of a thing that's going on now, which nobody wants to waste anything or feel like they're putting anything in landfill. So they do something called wish cycling. Yes. Thing in the recycling bin. So what I really advocate is prescriptive visual uh, bin signage. So it's really clear of what goes in where. And in, in particular workplaces, if you know this specific um, streams you have bins for that and the more separate bin streams you have the better because oh, okay. people don't stand there people don't go oh okay so I've got this thing let me read down this long list oh let me think about that do you think that fits in with this or this they go rubbish get rid mm-hmm. so it needs to be really quick and easy so the more bins you have and whether that's lidded things you know going up whatever the more you have the more it's broken down, the the right. easier it is for people to understand what is recyclable and not recyclable. That's really interesting. Another- yeah, one of my questions was going to be, because I can imagine that this is a massive frustration in the workplace. You know, I work from home now, so it's, you know, it's just me and the frustrations of the kids and the husband not putting things in the right recycling bins. But, you know, you set up all this recycling and then people are just ignoring it and putting things in the wrong bloody bins. And how do you, how do you make them? So lots of bins, very clear signage. And cover the tops of them. So what happens, and this is another thing, is if you have open bins, people don't look, especially if you put the signs on the bottom, Mm. people don't look at what the sign is on the bottom. They walk up to the bin, they look inside and they make a decision based on what's inside the bin. So at events, good good bins are ones that have got a a thing on the top um and a reduced aperture so you can only put in the right thing and in offices they have them which you can have you know and so they've got just for um paper it's Mm -hmm. a narrow aperture so you can slide paper in there for cans it circles so it's it's all this because we're very like those blocks that kids have (laughs) exactly just just like children (laughs) <laughs> we're oh, playing groundhog no yeah. that's the one was like <laughs> oh brilliant um so I think a lot of us are concerned about um or I'm speaking to a lot of people about this kind of lockdown guilt almost that 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 they're they were doing pretty well maybe before lockdown and then lockdowns happened and we're restricted in this, the, what the shops have got, which shops we can go to, all those sorts of things. So, so they have seen a real rise in um, specifically, I think, sort of plastic packaging around yeah. food and things like that. Are there any stats around to suggest that that single use plastic has gone up during the coronavirus crisis? That's a stat I don't have. Okay, um, sorry. I do, know, <laughs> um, I do know. I said I'm just going to focus on the positive stats. Yes. Um, so I do know that um, there's, I, and I know anecdotally, there's for lots of people, they've started shopping in supermarkets more because smaller shops have been closed down. Um, people who have been doing their online shopping have to take plastic bags now, whereas before right, they were yeah. given the crates. So people are getting a lot more plastic bags. But the positive bit is that in some recent research that was done um, by the Futera and One Pulse, they found that um, 80% of people said they wanted to make lifestyle changes as a consequence of COVID-19 to be more environmentally conscious and to address climate change. 57% of those said they wanted to waste less, reduce their waste. Mm -hmm. 50% of those said they wanted to avoid plastics. 
Wow. So for the people who maybe weren't aware, there's been a greater awareness of those things. And there's been a there's been a correlation in quite a lot of research between people's understandings of their concern for their health and the concern mm. for planetary health. So I think there is whilst and again, this is an infrastructure thing. While people are, you know, limited by what the yes. um, is available to them, the desire for change hasn't diminished. And at the beginning of lockdown, for us, plastics campaigning sector, there was a real worry that we were going to go back two years, yeah. and the plastics organize, um plastics industry was going to win because they were mm-hmm. telling us that plastic was safer yeah. than reusables, and plastic was the material, and they, you know, they lobbied they put back the plastic uh they reduced they removed plastic bag taxes the um the plastic ban that was supposed to happen in this country has been delayed for a year so all these things you know they were winning they were just you know very Mm. opportunist but thankfully a report has come out this week 119 scientists from all around the world to say that reusables are safe and they're no more dangerous than disposables yeah now, I saw that report. Well, yeah. it was reported in The Guardian, wasn't it? I yeah. can't confess to actually having read the report. Um, the link was broken. You couldn't have done. I found it somewhere. Oh, okay. Oh, well done. The difficulty that I see is that I can go, I can take my reusable cup and I can go to, um, maybe it was a, a chain of, you know, ideally I'd be using my local cafe, but maybe I mm. go into a chain. And they've got this thing up saying, this poster up saying, you know, we will only take, we're only using disposables at the moment because of concerns about um, yeah. hygiene. Now, I can't really have that argument with the poor barista behind the counter because it's not their policy. It's not their problem. All they want to do is probably get home and, um, you know, feel safer again. Yeah. Um, what can, because I can see that, yes, 100, 100 scientists have written a report, but that the likes of Starbucks and Costa are just going to go, we still think it's safer like how how can we as individuals like challenge that and actually get them to take notice of this and of the data and to make decisions based on science rather than whatever they're making decisions on at the moment so um my colleagues at city to sea have been working hard on this behind the scenes and they start a campaign called contactless coffee mm, so it's a brilliant they, video i've seen it yeah yeah so they've demonstrated how a coffee can be filled without any con- a reusable cup can be filled without any contact with um the barista or the person and as well as that they have um created a new campaign um, um a lobbying group um called repeat and it's the i don't know it's something like reusables but it's a group of people a group of organizations and they are talking to the costas and the big companies and bringing them into this conversation mm-hmm. to move it forward and they are working with other um, lobbying organizations and uh, independents to demonstrate best practice yeah so the best we can do with any of this is this back to like social norming norming and demonstrating where it's being done well mm-hmm. and also demonstrating where you're going shopping um, at the the independent places because you know you're your costas or your starbucks or whoever haven't adopted this yet Mm -hmm. so um you know all of those people respond very much to consumer 
demands and consumer fears, which is where a lot of this is coming about, you know, the feeling the need to be safe. Yeah. So, you know, contacting on social media and saying, you know, are you offering contactless coffee? I know I've been doing it um, to some of the independents that have been opening and saying, uh, are you offering contactless coffee? Here's the link to how to do it. Brilliant. So that's a really good idea. So yeah. that's you know that's and that's a nice way of um, and city to see will be supporting every organization that does that so um for the um the independents who are reopening and they want to get some extra exposure then um it's good for them to uh, be adopting this so we've we're, talked a little bit about um maybe some of the challenges i guess of um coming back to work with our coffee <laughs> which is probably the thing we're most worried about um one of the things my husband's been back at work for for quite a long time and and I guess when we're talking PPE um yellow tape do you know all these things are plastic and single-use plastic is there anything that we as employees or if we own our own business can do to um to enable our employees to feel safe but with slightly less single-use plastic <laughs> so one of the things um that has um is on the market which i'm not advocating but you might be tempted to look at is bioplastic ppe so for caterers there are gloves that are made from compostable plastics right if you buy those you still need to have a separate waste stream for them to be composted. Yeah. So you would need to organise that separately. So that is not addressing any single useness at all. Okay. So I just want to make that clear because that's something that um, there's there has been visors that are being, um, you know, said that they compost, but they're home compostable. Um, they still need a special um, system in place and TerraCycle are actually uh doing the collections of those so they can find somewhere to actually compost oh, them oh okay so can i just say ppe and i just want to ask you about this because i know we talked about this in the festival as well but there is this massive confusion even for me as someone who's engaged and who tries to keep up to speed and things with compostable plastics home compostable plastics plant-based plastics and our assumption, I think, is when we see, um, you know, if someone says it's a plant-based plastic and it's compostable, then, um, yeah, talk to us about that. <laughs> so, so if anything, so plant-based plastics um, are either made from something like cellulose, which is a wood pulp, and they mm -hmm. can they can compost in a home compost environment, but they still take between 28 days to three months. And a home compost environment means it's nice and warm and mm -hmm. grassy and hummusy. That doesn't mean if they become litter, they yeah. are gonna degrade. And if they're um, uh, a plant-based um, uh, um, plastic and they're called compostable, they need to go somewhere to degrade for 60 to 90 days. And this, um, environment is where you have to have a special arrangement to get yeah. there you can't if you put them in your food caddy they're all going to get pulled out because they remove all packaging right so um and so yeah the words like plant-based and bio we think like banana skin you know doesn't matter if they become litter not okay. the case yeah so i you know and and the word they they've made them mimic the structure of plastics 
and they're that solid. So if yeah. you work in hospitality and you get one of these compostable spoons, um, they they will tolerate up to 120 degrees. What's going right. to happen if they end yeah. up in the grass? They're going to still be there, yeah. you know. So, it, okay, they're not made from fossil fuels and they're not oil based, but still they're still single use and they're still problematic sure. if they become in the natural environment. Yeah. So I guess in one respect, if we're looking um, on a kind of carbon footprint, maybe, or um, in terms of, like you said, fossil fuels and the climate crisis, if we've got the choice of, of plant-based plastic or normal plastic, maybe plant-based is the way, but don't assume that that, that makes single use okay. That kind exactly. Of so okay. they've got a lower carbon footprint, quite a lot of them. But then there's other associated environmental impacts with them mm -hmm. because um, quite often they're from GMO crops. I mean, they're right. from GMO crops. Um, they're being transported a long way around the world. Sure. Quite often they are. Um, uh, so some of them are sugar cane. So they're a um, what's the word? They're a, um, an they're just a sort of a byproduct of the sugar industry mm -hmm. but the sugar industry in somewhere like brazil where it's you know it's not organic lovely you yeah know, sugar yeah it's all you know very intensive um production so with all of this really we need to be thinking about what's the option for reuse yeah how could reusables work if we're choosing material have we got the waste stream for it sure. and so lots of events or um you know caterers and canteens will be thinking of wooden things mm -hmm. you put wood in the compost doesn't compost either okay you know? so um you know so and, and actually a lot of you know composting places don't want lots of wood in there because they want nice hummusy yeah. you know stuff to put on the field they don't want lots of forks <laughs> so you know <laughs> oh i, I guess plant labels. <laughs> yeah. exactly so it's it you know just because something's natural you still have to think like what how is it going to end up yeah. what the process that breaks it down um really if it's single use then it's you know you're gonna have to find a waste stream for it so I think that's it it is so confusing isn't it but I think that that is maybe the one key message that people can hang on to that reusable if we reuse them is always going to be a better choice than a than a single use one so if there is an option if there is some way of making of, of fitting reusables into like you said whether it's forks or cups or whatever if we can um find some way to do that safely um then that's the option that we should be going for in terms of like masks and gloves and things are there any options or is it just kind of oh we have to where's my reusable mask um reusable masks obviously yeah. um uh, and again, City to See have got a really lovely campaign um, with some videos that you can share with your colleagues. They've got lots of simple, um, uh, um, I was going to say recipes, but they're not their um, instructions. Yeah. Uh, the government. Um, I think uh, yeah, Boris has been practising his patterns, so you can find them on the uh, gov.uk website. All you need is a T-shirt. T-shirt, cut a bit, tie it up. Um, with gloves and things, yeah, it, you know, it's problematic um, because, but equally wearing gloves, the the um, the arguments from doctors is you shouldn't be wearing gloves to go to the supermarket, to drive yeah. your car, to pick things up, because actually you're contaminating them. And the way yeah. that doctors use gloves is they use them for a very particular process. They take them off without touching mm -hmm. 
they put them in a bin. Then they use some more. If you're wearing yeah. those gloves all day, you're just carrying those germs around. Yeah. The best thing is hand washing. Um, and that's, you know, hand washing and then secondary using some um, alcohol gel. So it, it really is that. And the evidence from that, the paper from the scientists is that the worst contamination is from um, close contact from spittle mm -hmm. rather than it necessarily being on, you know, on items. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, from, from touching different items. But yeah. with the PPE, um, if you do have to go down the route of PPE, you can organise for a separate TerraCycle um, bin collection at your workplace. Oh, wow. So they, it costs money for those ones, but you know that it would actually then be recycled into some kind of other kind of plastic thing. And, you know, it's you know being managed responsibly. So what will they take in there? Do you know? Um, so I just looked on their website because they've got a whole new array of uh, PPE bins. So they've got ones for masks, they've got ones for gloves, they've got ones for overalls, literally everything. Um, also, since lockdown, they have ones for Aero Rocher, you know, the... Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, those. Um, lots of and other toys. toys and sweets. Yes, all sorts of things. And yeah. so what, what's been happening is those... And this is for me is the first step for producers really taking responsibility of their hard to recycle materials mm -hmm. is that Ferrero Rocher, people have got must have gone to them and said, How do I recycle this foil? It's too small to go in my bin. Yeah. And they're like, Okay, TerraCycle, can you help us out? And so all so many companies are doing this now. And so they're paying for these materials to be recycled, mm -hmm. which is great because it's not ending up in our um waste and recycling systems which don't have the the ability to process these yeah. hard to recycle materials so you know the next step for that is that they actually then start using those materials themselves to then make yes. their um, packaging so it's really a closed um, yeah. loop circular economy process rather than it being turned into something else because at the moment what does it give any suggestions on the on the website as to what things they can make from manky old plastic gloves and breathed on masks so um they i haven't checked what they're doing the mask but with most of the things that TerraCycle take they downcycle it into things like watering cans or mm -hmm. um uh, piping or benches yeah so it's then something that isn't necessarily able to be recycled again or sure. yeah I have seen um, that one of the plastic, the big plastic manufacturers is using a percentage of recycled content in some of their masks now. OK. Um, but it, it's whether that is straight recycled from the um, things or not, because the thing about um, and that's what I'd actually the thing about all of this stuff is it really should be incinerated mm. because of the potential of it being right. um, contaminated yeah. so i'm not entirely sure whether tire ty recycle are recycling those things i just saw they had all the separate bins and I uh, thought, oh. okay. um because it, it's you know it's deemed as clinical waste so yeah, it should yeah, be yeah. recycled but i have also seen um in the sort of in the in the things that come up in my linkedin feed um people have started doing 3d printing with blue plastic gloves so this is, you know, this amazing technology where um, you put in recycled plastics and it kind of 
makes you know you tell it what to make and it makes these sort of things out of it so oh so the, the waist gloves they're then making into I, I was conf- you could see my confused face then I was like mm. are they making the gloves or are they printing from the no, gloves <laughs> with them. so they're making things from oh, it wow. so there's things you know happening like that to try and address these materials mm. yeah god it's all it is all really complicated <laughs> So, go on. I was going to say one of the um, things that has really been positive that's happened um, during lockdown is people have started wasting less food. Yes. Um, and so I think there was a Hubbub report that said it was um, 48% said they were throwing away less food. And of those wasting less food, um, 51 said they were planning their meals better. Yeah. Now, one of the things I always see when I go into businesses and when I'm at events is very rarely do they have food waste collections. Yeah. And, you know, if people are doing these habits at home, they want to be able to carry them on. And um, uh, events and festivals I've worked at where there's been food waste bins, what it's meant, and also in an office environment, it means you have less contamination of the recycling and the other things with food. Food is the worst contaminant of any recycling stream and it will you know means that you can't your glass goes your plastics yeah so if you can really keep it out of those streams then it's a good thing so that's you know really good basic if you're a green champion or anything you know if you can get a food waste bin in your workplace or as part of your event bins it's important so how easy is that because um I'm in Wiltshire and we don't have a food waste collection, much to Wiltshire residents' frustration. Um, wow. And it's in law soon. Oh, will it? Yeah. Oh, that'll be exciting. Um, uh, it's EU law. And is that at a household level, presumably? Yeah. EU, okay. all across the whole of the EU food waste, because it's um, it creates methane. Mm, yeah. So at, at a, um, a business level, and obviously businesses have to pay for their waste collection and and organize their own recycling collections and all that sort of thing so can you can you can that be an add-on if your contract is with I don't know Biffa or whoever can that be an add-on that you want food waste collected yes so businesses um, do food waste collections and food waste is really heavy so Mm. it also you know it means that your your general waste is going to be heavy because you've got food waste in it Um, and it's amazing what happens with food waste um when they send it to these um processing plants so the anaerobic digesters actually get energy from it which goes Mm. back into the grid and i can't remember whether it's something like 48 bananas will keep a house going for an hour or something like that banana skins yeah but um it's um yeah it's it's and and also the thing is it's lots of people because we do i did an audit of a, a business just before lockdown and um they didn't think they had enough um food waste to warrant having a bin and we yeah. did a, a bin audit and this is the best way to know what bins you need uh and we had a separate bit we just had a separate bag for the banana skins yeah and just about every office had a they were doing you know food a fruit cut service so of course there was loads of bananas yeah you know this is this disconnection yeah so um, tea bags there's got to be loads of tea bags, tea bags exactly and, co- and coffee grinds yes yeah you know so all of these things um yep definitely uh food waste for offices yes that's really interesting and 
I can see as well, like where my husband works, they have um, a coffee machine, which drives me nuts because I'm like, you just need a kettle and some mugs. Like, please, can can this can't be that difficult. But for some reason, they need this coffee machine with these plastic mugs. And, and I think they were making strides to sort of remove that. But I can see how, you know, as they've got all these different policies now to implement, actually, you now have to get your coffee from the from the coffee machine, because then we know that there's no contamination of the mugs and we're not having to worry about washing them up and things. How do you counter that kind of um, thinking? So, so one of the things, um, so I've been working on sort of behaviour change campaign before all this um, with the City to Sea team um, and we were sort of calling it Refill More and it was about people having their reusable coffee cups to take out mm. and you know having a, a collection of coffee cups that people could just grab because you're removing that need for people to remember it. Yeah. But I would, and then, but the, always the pushback is about health and safety. And this was before mm. COVID. And I would say categorically, if you do not have a way of, you know, washing those cups in a dishwasher, right? then you don't, that you're never going to get like a policy, like you're never going to get buy-in from people. You need yeah. to demonstrate that this is, you know, clean. So I guess the question would be in a place like that, where is it, is it just the little small ones that then they throw away every time? Yeah, they're those, you know, and that you sort of pull them out of the, yeah. the thing with the coffee in and like horrible. <laughs> because there's a lot of the machines now um, who are addressing this and you can have them without the cups. So right. they, can, they can program them and change them and you can just put, you know, your cup underneath. Yeah. But it, what I would say is the way to get these things changed is to make sure you've got the adequate health, health and safety, you know, yeah. the cleanliness to be, um, because if you look at, I used to um, house share with some people and I would look at, at their washing up practices. And I, I was, I mean, ah. just like their hands to do the washing up. Yes, like, yeah, yeah. If I saw someone like that at work doing the washing up of the cup, I don't want their cup, <laughs> you know. And that's the thing is like we can be all preaching. It's like, yeah, but look what everyone's doing around us. Mm. No, I don't want the cup for the person who refuses to use the washing up liquid and just uses their hands. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> you've oh, got to meet people where they're at and with any of these systems I mean some of the great things that are happening which really address all this and it would be great um I'm working on some projects with um people which I can't talk about but um is where these reusable cup schemes are coming in where you where they're dropped in in the office um and you use them then you pop them back in a tray and then they get taken away and then they get washed and brought back so it's a single use reusable cup um, and it's being hygienically washed. So you're removing the need for people to remember the cup, yeah. for them to, to worry about the hygiene. And you're, for an organisation, you're actually say it's, it's a similar cost to um, disposable coffee cups. Oh, okay. you know, an organisation's paying for those cups and it's yeah. the, the, the money that people spend, you know, if they've got a canteen or one of those you know things on cups is ridiculous because they're just throwing them away yeah. and they're paying this and, and they should have a separate coffee cup collection yeah. system for those so they should have a and this is a great way to sort of like start push back pushing back is to say okay if we're going to only have single use coffee cups we need to responsibly dispose of them mm -hmm. we need to pay for the coffee cup recycling system yeah. So you're paying for the coffee cups, yeah. you're paying for the coffee cup disposal. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, if you're using reusables, you're paying for the cup once, but then you're yeah. paying for the washing and probably the person to wash it. Yeah. But 
you know, it's where what is the break even point with those things where, you know, if they're used enough times, actually the one outweighs the other. Is it is it naive just to say everybody bring in your own reusable cup? Here's a Sharpie. Write your name on it. That's your cup. You know, if you want to rinse it out in between, knock yourself out. That's the cup you use and no one else uses it. Is that like an unreasonable request? So I know lots of um, organisations where I've been into, um, the first thing they've done, you know, sort of last last year or the year before, was they bought everyone a reusable coffee mm. cup. Exactly the same reusable coffee cup. Yeah. Okay, there's your reusable coffee cup, use it. What happened to them? They just sat on people's desks. Right. And people actually, you know, different to sort of your husband's scenario, but people get their coffee, their nice coffee, when they're walking into work in the morning. Sure. Where's the yeah. reusable coffee cup? on their yeah. desk <laughs> you know well, the anecdote there's um, been research done a city to see did some research when we look at how people use things and people said they'd have one in their car so yeah. they do it's situational so people use them in particular situations but if on a Saturday they go out then they haven't got their cup yeah you know they've got a different bag or mm-hmm. it's the same with reusable water bottles people will use them every day in a particular um uh uh, routine mm-hmm. but when they're doing a different routine they won't have them so yeah they would you know use them on the way to, to work to the gym Saturdays nope don't carry a reusable water yeah. bottle so it's and this is where it's all with this is a, the kind of behavior change stuff around it is the behavioral psychology is that we're very habitual and we do things in particular ways and so I know um one of the places that I visited they had done um they'd given everyone the reusable coffee cup and their canteen was downstairs. By the time people have got down to the, oh, the coffee cup's upstairs. <laughs> the coffee cups are in the wrong place. The yes. coffee cups need to be. And, you know, this is a place where the culture is that people are working really hard and they can't take a break and they've got to yeah. work, work, work. So work, 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 just quickly go and come. Yeah, got to do this, must do that. Can't, can't be gone too long. Do, oh, coffee cup. Oh, back at the desk. Oh, gone too long. Up and down, up and down. Yeah. No, no, I'll just take a disposable one. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. And so this is all the things that, you know, are going on. So so I was saying, you know, why aren't the coffee cups here? You've bought all these coffee cups. Why aren't they here? And they didn't actually have a dishwasher. Right. So then that's the other thing. People are lazy. Inherently, we look for shortcuts. Yeah. Why am I going to wash out a cup when I can just drink? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, why would other people yeah. drink drop? Yeah, You know, this is where these schemes where you can have the reusable coffee cups that someone else washes, you know, it's mirroring the convenience of disposable in a way that people, and I think we talked about this before about why do people do these behaviours? Um, and for for someone like myself and probably you, we're very value driven. So ooh, that's my get ready to finish work alarm. Um, oh, awesome. We all need one of them. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, in lockdown, it's like, what's the point? Just carry on working. No. <laughs> um, you know, we, it's yeah. So it's all about kind of understanding um, what are our habits, why we do particular things, and trying to unpick them and find something to mirror it. And I'm saying yeah, about value. So if we're very value driven, then maybe we are the one with the rucksack with all our reusables yes. in and our this and our that. But you know what I do this sometimes and I've remembered this one I've remembered that one and then I get on the train like 
oh, I can't have a coffee for the whole weekend. Have I got oh. my coffee? I mean, is someone going to notice me? Uh, how do I get around this? Oh, God, yes. you know, I'm going to get judged from, you know. But other people are like, don't care. You know, yeah. so it, you have to meet people where they are, understand what's motivating them and try and find ways to sort of interject at that point. Yeah. Or you just do it where the only option is, you know, a reusable or whatever or you make it so it's so easy so yeah I mean the whole thing really about having conversations about reusables and on the go is the wrong conversation to have because really if we look at the behaviors and we're looking about the behaviors what is the behavior why are people drinking coffee on the go that's Mm. the behavior we need to address yeah and in lots of countries they don't have this as an issue in Germany they try to roll out um the Freiburg cup and which is a sharing scheme so you drink mm. the coffee you drop the cup off at another there's coffee there's one here shop. isn't there and is it Shaftesbury? Shrewsbury you've got Shrewsbury. one but the problem they had was people sat down and drank coffee mainly because they've got a different culture whereas in the UK and in lots of other countries there's this in a hurry must be on a hurry couldn't you know couldn't possibly stop and relax and enjoy ourselves oh no we're far too busy for that oh no keep working but that's only yeah. quite recent, isn't it? Like, you know, yeah. when I was when I was a child, um, that wasn't the culture. Just and I remember even being at university and we had a lot of American students and they'd all have their coffee cups and be wandering around with coffee cups and just looking at them going, What what are you doing? And and now here we are. So there's a um a theory a behavior change theory called social practice theory and I use this to kind of look at um lots of these disposable behaviors and try and see what's underlying things and um social practice theory says it's the the materials that change the meanings and the competences that people have so with um if we look at we compare drinking coffee back in the day it was um the materials we had available to us was the nescafe a mug and a kettle yeah that was it then gradually coffee shops um came on board I remember that was one of my first jobs was in a coffee shop and people would come in and they're like I just like a coffee and we'd be like would you like a cappuccino or an <laughs> espresso and uh just want a coffee black coffee <laughs> yeah. oh an americano just want a coffee <laughs> now you know and then and then the onset of these chains came and then came the disposable coffee cup Without the disposable coffee cup, we can't have this on-the-go behaviour, mm-hmm. which then has all these other cultural values associated with it, which is about, you know, being able to afford £3.50 for a coffee. I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. It's some frothy milk and, you know. Yeah. Um, but then it's, you know, and then it's like part of this culture and it's, you know, it's what people do and then other people are doing it. So it's a social norm. And then these mm. things are then so connected that we can't see a way out of it because it's got yeah. all this other stuff tangled up in it so it's it's really easy for us in the environmental sort of way of thinking to be like well why don't they just stop why don't we just yeah. ban that but actually you have to see what else is tied up with it and we're very social creatures and you know things are changing and there's a great social practice um theory a uh, case study around um water and washing and we're using far more water now than we ever have before, even though we've got showers, which use, in theory, less water than baths. And that is because we um, showers make washing much easier so we can wash more often. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, it was a tin bath. 
<laughs> boiling the water on the, you know, on the thing. Yeah. It was a once a week affair and everyone else sat in it. I mean, yes. I remember when I was growing up, we still shared a bath because we had to turn on an immersion heater in the morning yes. for an hour and we got, you know, this much water. You can have a shower anytime you want now. So that means we can, um, you know, go to the gym we, before work. We can go to the gym at lunchtime. We can go to the gym after work. We can go for a run. No, we, can we can't, a... Libby. <laughs> no, people do. We can't, no. But before, you know, so people were showering five times a day. Wow. Yeah. Because the shower made these other behaviours all possible. So then it's all, you know, so it all becomes yeah. interweaved in this way that, you know, technology, you know, technology is supposed to save us, but you know, invariably it gives us all these new habits, which mean we can do all these other things, you know. Well, that that kind of makes me despair a little bit because it makes it feel really hard. Like um, George Monbiot, um, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, you know, this big thing about, he, he writes a, um, a column in The Guardian for those who haven't come across him. And, you know, he had this kind of, had a go at the sort of plastic straw movement. And, you know, we don't oh, need yeah. to get rid of plastic straws. We need to overthrow capitalism. And I'm like, I'm really sorry, but like, I, I know how to not use a plastic straw, but I don't know how to overthrow capitalism. And I've got to get back for the school run. So, yeah. you know, like it's really, it becomes really difficult, doesn't it? Because, you know, on the one hand, we're saying to people, um, the nice easy thing is to swap and to have a reusable coffee cup. Um, but then once we start digging into it and all these layers as to why people aren't aren't doing it, then then it just makes my head hurt. And I think I, I, I don't know what to say now. <laughs> well, so what I would say is because we've got people who are, have got different values, different focuses we have to have the people who are the pioneers who are the early adopters who are doing these behaviors and making it more normal and socially mm -hmm. acceptable and not you know the hippie weirdo thing then we need these people who are creating these systems to for the people who do it because they want to look good and they want to be environmentally friendly but without the inconvenience mm -hmm. and and then those you know systems then come to address that um and then for everybody else, they're just going to kind of, you know, get pulled along in the in the, the system. But, yeah, I don't know how we overthrow capitalism. I know we've got a massive opportunity now to build back better. And mm -hmm. businesses, you know, there is going to be a massive change in what um, what business looks like. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of businesses, it's going to be very tough with social distancing. Um, there's lots of people who... Um, potentially are going to lose their jobs who are going to actually say I want to do something that's meaningful mm -hmm. you know so many people have said that this time has made them really reevaluate their lives they don't want to go back to things and um, at the beginning of lockdown I listened to a really interesting circular economy talk by um, somebody who worked in packaging and he said the thing is is if um, lots of people have been furloughed from some of those big companies like Unilever um, or GlaxoSmithKline or whoever it is they're going to be the ones who are going to go and create these new businesses that are going to do things differently and, you know, are going to pivot and, you know, disrupt a lot of these more clunky systems mm. that are very, you know, capitalist and very kind of slow. And who's going to survive in this time is the ones that can be agile and do things differently. So I think, you know, we have to look at, you know, COVID-19 has shown a massive um, highlight on how unsustainable our lives are, how we're not looking after our yes. people, yeah. we're not looking after the poorest people in our communities. It's highlighting all the, you know, institutional racism, all of the things um, and how damaging we've been on the environment. Mm. So now is this chance to really, 
you know, come back, go back to our workplaces and try and do things differently. And that's, you know, a lot of the things that I'm working on now is, you know, wanting to work with businesses who teams want to come back together and say, actually, we want to do things differently now. We don't want things to stay the same. Um, And that will be a massive um, benefit if organisations are in a a position to talk to their um, employees, understand what motivates them, how they want to um, do things differently. And I don't know whether we shared this stat before, but um, at the beginning, in April, uh, Google had registered that there had been a 455,000% increase in people looking up how to live a sustainable lifestyle. Yeah. Those people work somewhere. Yeah. You know, hopefully they're going back to a job, um, um, if not they're furloughed. But, you know, what are they doing during their furlough time? Are they thinking about how they want to move forward? And, yeah. you know, okay, lots of people are going to be worried about finances and, you know, that's certainly something that for a freelancer is very much on the you know yeah. forefront of my mind. Um, and, you know, I've done a lot of pivoting and, you know, I work a lot with the events industry, which is kind of closed down. But mm. what's heartened me is the amount of events people who are joining me on workshops around waste, around sustainability policies, around how that they adopt sustainability because they want to come back and they want to do things differently and yeah. I think that's what we have to hold on to. We can't worry too much about the queues of people who are queuing up for Primark. People doing those things, you know, we there's going to be lots, there's lots of different people in our societies who need different things. They're going to be focusing on different things. But we have to work with the people who do want to make those changes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we focus on the build back better. We focus on how the sustainable development goals address you know the social inequalities and the environmental inequalities yeah. um and that's like the way that we can draw hope from yeah. what's happening now yeah so I feel like we've you know we've kind of gone all over the place yeah. um and I oh, and I sort of build this as a you know how to reduce waste at work so just as a I guess a final uh question is if we're going back to work like you say we've we've maybe had this time to to think about what we want things to do differently we're going back to work and maybe we're play, we're sort of faced with this almost tsunami of kind of single use plastic that that maybe wasn't there before where do we start as an employee or i guess even you know we might have people listening who are in charge of their their own businesses and are looking to make change um can you give us like i don't know three or five quick wins that like what are the first five things we should be doing so what I would recommend is you do an audit um, and you do an audit of your bins. You have a visual audit of your office. You dig into your paperwork. You see what those big items are and you kind of understand where where you can make some changes. So you kind of you either look for the low hanging fruit, like the easy things, or you go for the more tricky ones. Um, so when you talk about doing a bin audit, is that literally putting on a pair of marigolds? And like, yeah, and diving into the into the bins. Is that like someone's got to put their hand up and do that job unless they employ yeah. someone like you? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but equally just kind of doing a, a bit of an audit on what you're buying and understanding right. what those things are. Um, the, you know, the easy wins are always going to be um, looking for um, where you can switch from uh, disposable to reusables. Yeah. Um, also improving your uh, bin system so you've got better recycling signage on it and um, for plastics um, it obviously depends on what kind of organization you are 
but um really you know looking so you know we the obvious things are coffee cups but actually lots of businesses will have a lot of shrink wrap you know where things are coming in in pallets yeah yeah, yeah 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 there are reusable systems in place oh, so it's okay. talking to your suppliers and saying okay what is the option for this what is the option for that yeah. so it's kind of doing that and um if it's all right I will give a plug because I've yes, got um, please do. Uh, I was gonna ask you to, yeah I've got an online course which is exactly around this it's about tackling single-use plastics in the workplace um for Plastic Free July, I'm giving away the first course, the first one, it's about understanding plastics and plastic recycling for free. So it's just simply you um, give your email address, I give you the content, as well as a 30-day plastic challenge document. So mm -hmm. if you're still at home or at work, you can share this, and it's all about how what you can refuse, what you can reuse. Um, and also, if you want general waste things, I'm doing a Waste 101 uh, workshop on the 2nd of July um, and we'll be very much talking about like the waste hierarchy and different yeah. materials and how you um, approach those so that's for events businesses and for individuals amazing and where can we come and find you and all that information online so um I'm very very busy on LinkedIn um as Libby Drake and then L-I-V-V-Y Drake and then um, Sustainable Sidekicks is my website and my consultancy where you can find all the events that are happening. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Livy. It's always a joy to talk to you. And I love the fact that you say, I really focus on the positive because that's what, <laughs> what we need to hang on to, isn't it? So that's great. It's all we've got. It's all we've got. You've been listening to Sustainable-ish, you wonderful sack of loveliness, with me, Jen Gale. Hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old grey matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably. Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small. Every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time. Bye.